how do you teach your kids about marriage, the gender issue, the abortion issue? You've got to start with Genesis 1 to 11. If you don't have Genesis 1 to 11 as the foundation, you can't build the structure. Hello again, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. We want to welcome you back to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. We're continuing a conversation we've been having with Ken Ham. He is co-founder of Answers in Genesis, the man behind the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, author of many books. We've been talking about the legacy that we leave our kids, and we want to talk about the impact that our educational choices is having on our children and what what we need to do about it, what we need to think about. Ken, welcome back. Hi, it's great to be with you again. We have been talking about Ken's new book, Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. And you guys know what we think about that. You know how important we believe it is to raise your kids to stand. And so, Ken, let's talk about education and how the education of our kids impacts their ability to stand as adults. Well, I like that. Let let me kind of say something. Introduction here, you know. We think about the Creation Museum, we think about Genesis 1 through 3, but really, Answers in Genesis it really emphasizes a lot more than just the first three chapters. You talk about Genesis 1 through 11 in particular, about laying a groundwork for understanding so much of what's wrong with the world and yeah. where, the, where the world ought to be. Would you say that um, most of the problems, the, the so-called giants that our kids are facing, that we are facing as their parents, are really rooted in a misunderstanding or a denial of those principles in the first 11 chapters of Genesis? Oh, absolutely, uh, Hal. And, you know, the, the way I would try, try to explain to people is this. Okay, everyone has a worldview. I mean, think about it. People have views about marriage or right and wrong or views about abortion, about gender, about I- any issue. That's called a worldview. It's your way of thinking that you have. Where does your way of thinking come from? See, a lot of people don't even think about this. And I think for a lot of Christians, they have a wrong idea of the Bible. They look on the Bible as a sort of a guidebook to life, you know. And and the way it's taught in a lot of churches, sadly, is that the Bible is a book of spiritual things, moral things, relationships. Don't get me wrong, it is that. But the Bible is much more than that. The Bible is a revelation from God. It's his history given to us. It's, It's a book of history. And the first 11 chapters are the foundation for the rest of the Bible, the foundation for every single biblical doctrine. Think about it. We as Christians believe certain things, as I mentioned, about marriage, for instance. Well, why do we believe that? Where does it come from? You see, ultimately, what we have to understand, there's only two foundations to build your way of thinking. You start from God's word, who knows everything. That's the only way you could ever have the ability to come to the right conclusion about anything is starting from someone who knows everything, who's given us the key information we need. That's what the Bible is. It's a revelation from God giving us key information that he's given to us. It's a little bit of that infinite information that he has, but it's that history that we need so we have the right worldview. If you don't start from God's word, there is only one other starting point. That's man's word. Man by himself, autonomous man, somehow determines truth. And I want to put a little caveat in here. If you're a Christian and you take man's ideas of millions of years in evolution and add them to the Bible and reinterpret Genesis, your starting point is no longer God's word. It's actually man's word. Because once you put 
fallible man's ideas into God's infallible word and reinterpret it, your starting point is then man's word. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to explain to people is this. It's like building a house. You don't build a house starting with the roof and the walls. You build a house starting with the foundation. I think for a lot of Christian parents, what, what has happened, let me sort of explain to you this way. 90 to 95% of kids from church homes have gone to the public education system. Now, that system has become progressively uh, antagonistic to Christianity, very atheistic. I mean, for the older generations, you know, the greatest generation and the silent and the baby boomers generation, the public schools had a veneer of Christianity. They were still secular, but had a veneer mm -hmm. of Christianity where the Bible was allowed, yeah. prayer allowed, creation allowed, and so on. But the younger you know, generations, they throw all that out. My mother was actually led to Christ by a public school Bible teacher. Mm -hmm. And that's how different my experience, on the other hand, is I was taught evolution start to finish. And in fact, was absolutely blown away when I heard a creationist debate an evolutionist in high school and realized I could be intellectually honest and be a Christian. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much the schools have changed. It, exactly. I mean, you know, it, at least you could could have a debate years ago, you know, generations yeah. ago. And you could have Bible teachers in the school and so on. So there, there was a witness there. But it's become very antagonistic to Christianity, very atheistic. And these generations are being taught against the Bible, if anything. You know, they're taught evolution as fact and they're taught millions of years as fact. Actually, the education system today teaches that everything can be explained by natural processes and naturalism is atheism. And so their foundation for their worldview is man determines truth, man's word. Think about this. Those kids then get that indoctrination many hours a day and then they come home or come to church and they've got that foundation of man's word. Then we want to teach them about Jesus, tell them about the doctrines of Christianity. We, we try to put the roof and the walls on the foundation that won't let that structure stand. And then we wonder why they leave the church and then they build a new structure, one of a secular way of thinking based on the wrong foundation. Well, and, and it's, you know, I think it's significant to me that um, on some of these hot button issues, when Jesus taught about that, he refers back to Genesis 1 and 2. When the Apostle Paul teaches about these issues, he goes back to Genesis. You know, they don't apologize for it. They don't say, let's share this helpful mythology to illustrate an idea. You know, they, they, just say, the truth. they just say, here's the truth. Here is the situation. Bang. That's how we deal with it. And I think we get so apologetic because science, so science has said millions of years, et cetera. And so, you know, we lose, we lose our grip on what our foundation is, our, you know, our epistemology. What is our, our lens that says, this is a source of truth and, and I will use it to judge others. Is it going to be the science, which is continually changing and shifting? I mean, just look at the past year. What do we know about the coronavirus? Gosh. We don't know the same thing from two weeks in a row, but science. Okay. But, yeah. Well, look at the structure of scientific Re revolutions, Thomas Kuhn, mm -hmm. which says science is what the current community of scientists believe is true. And that changes. Are we going to judge something that doesn't change God's word based on something that does change science? That's ridiculous. Well, mm -hmm. uh, let me give you practical examples here. Uh, for instance, you know, creationists like myself are accused by the secular world of being anti-science, right? But actually, they're the ones that are anti-science. 
Yes. Think, about the, think about the gender issue. If you want to teach your kids about the gender issue, where do you start? In fact, here's what I would say for any Christian. If, if this is not your answer, there's a problem, right? How do you teach your kids about marriage, the gender issue, the abortion issue? You've got to start with Genesis 1 to 11. If you don't have Genesis 1 to 11 as the foundation, you can't build the structure. If yeah. you take the gender issue, for instance, you start with Genesis 1 to 11. What does God tell us in Genesis 1 27? He made Adam and Eve. He made the first man and woman, yes. male and female. And in Genesis 5, it says he made them male and female. If you go to the New Testament, Matthew 19 and Mark 10, when Jesus was asked about marriage, he said he made them from the beginning male and female. And so therefore, from that foundation, we can teach our kids God made them male and female. Now, there's only two genders then based on the Bible. So then we have to also say, okay, you need to be prepared to have an answer for what you believe. 1 Peter 3.15, we've got to teach apologetics. When you go out and look at observational science, the science of genetics, we know that humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes, and one of those pairs of chromosomes are the sex chromosomes. And if you're a male, you have uh, an, an X and a Y, and if you're a female, you have an X and an X. Oh, there we have science confirming two genders, uh, male, XY, female, XX. So if you say there's more than two genders, you're anti-science because science confirms two genders. And then we've also got to be ready to teach apologetics this way and say, okay, so when somebody says, but there are exceptions, because some people can have three X's or two X's and a Y or whatever. Now, they're a minority of people. It's a very small percentage, extremely small. And there can be some problems with the sex chromosomes. But there's problems with other chromosomes too, because there are mutations. Why? Well, the foundation of God's word. Because of sin and the fall, now everything runs down. Uh, we age and die because death is the penalty for sin. And so God no longer holds everything together perfectly. And so the reason there are problems in some of these chromosomes is because our sin has affected the world. And, and so, you know, you can get to see, you can get to explain from a biblical worldview perspective what the problems are. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, so that obviously that is not being taught in the public schools. Um, you, you, give some cautions about the so-called Christian schools as well in your book. And, and I would have to affirm that too, that um, just because it carries the name of Christ on, it does not mean that it is true to what Christ taught any longer. Oh, well, if it ever was. Yeah. And definitely not at the, at the collegiate level, but often not even at, not even in elementary and middle school and high school. Well, you know, um, in the book, will they stand? Uh, mm -hmm. One of the chapters at the end is written by our, uh, eldest daughter, and uh, she's she's our second child. We have five children, uh, and she has four of our grandchildren. But she founded our Christian school. Now, you know, some of our kids and grandkids are involved in homeschool, some involved in Christian school. But she also saw that most Christian schools were using secular textbooks yeah. and just adding God to that. Think about it. Mm -hmm. If your foundation is man's word, how can you start with um, with the foundation of man's word and try to add Christianity into that, right? It's the same as kids coming from the public school and you want to put the roof and the walls on them, it's not going to stand. And unfortunately, the majority of Christian schools do try to add God to a secular um, worldview with the foundation of man's word. So she wanted to found a Christian school that was totally Christian with a total Christian worldview, biblical worldview, starting from the foundation 
uh, right there in Genesis. And if you read that chapter, it's very powerful. And, and you'll also see that spiritual legacy that's been passed on to the next generation because of what she's been taught and how eloquent she is in developing a true Christian worldview. And see, that's a problem. A lot of Christian schools, you know, they say, oh, Bible is, you know, night. well, a lot of homeschools even do this. You know, the Bible is from 9 to 10 on, on Mondays, and then the rest of the week we study this or that or this subject, whatever. Instead of understanding, the Bible is the foundation for our worldview for everything, and it's yes. got to be that foundation. There in Genesis 1 to 11. I mean, Genesis 1 to 11 is the geological, biological, astronomical, anthropological history that's foundational for our whole worldview. Because once you understand the elements of history that God has revealed to us, a perfect world marred by sin, now there's death. Death wasn't there originally. So when you look at death and suffering today, you can explain it because of our sin. There was a flood of Noah's day. And now when you look at fossils, you realize they're all over the earth. Uh, that's the graveyard of the flood, not the graveyard of millions of years. The Tower of Babel explains why there are different languages and why different people, groups, and nations, because uh, God split them up right there at the Tower of Babel, as we read in Genesis 10 and Genesis chapter 11. You see, when we're looking at the world today and we see different people groups, we see death and suffering, we see uh, you know fossils and so on, once we've got the right worldview from the right foundation, we can understand what we're looking at. And then we can also deal with issues like abortion and gender and and marriage where where's the doctrine of marriage start well marriage was created in genesis 2 24 when god took yes. dust made a man took his side made a woman and jesus quotes from that in the new testament in matthew 19 and mark 10 so to have the correct worldview to understand marriage you've got to start with genesis 1 to 11 and so christian schools home schools need to be teaching foundationally starting with the bible starting with genesis 1 to 11 so uh, our children know what they believe and why they believe what they do and where it came from. And then we need to be teaching them apologetics. What is the world doing to undermine God's word and to attack the Christian worldview? Let me give them those answers so yes. they can defend the Christian faith. Hmm. That's so true. And if you're not intentional, I mean, if you don't think about these things, if you don't open your eyes and realize that, you know, you have a battle going on, then that Christianity will slip away. I mean, you see it in the schools, you see it in churches, you see it in institutions of all sorts where they started well, but because they didn't say, we're going we're gonna to drive a peg in the ground here, we're going to stand on the truth of scriptures and we're not going to compromise on it, then eventually they do compromise because we're sinful and we forget and we wander off. And an hour on Sunday mornings is not enough. Mm -hmm. An hour on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights is not enough. That it's that day by day living with believers, hearing, seeing how Christians do business, seeing how Christians do life that is so powerful in discipling our kids. And one of our kids was home from college and we were having family devotions. And he said, Mom and Dad, never stop doing this with the younger kids. He said, I, ha I thought I wasn't even paying attention growing up. But now that I'm in college and I hear people who are Christians, they grew up in Christian families, but they say, they say things that are contrary to God's word. And immediately verses come to my mind that remind me of truth. And he said, just hearing that in our family day after day prepared me for today. Well, you know, um, Deuteronomy 6 uh, speaks of that. And we should abide by those principles because there we have God's word 
teaching the Israelites how they were to raise their children. When you walk, when you uh, lie down, when you rise up, when you sit down. In other words, in 100% of what you do, you are teaching your children. Yeah. Education, oh. education is not just an hour at church on Sundays. Uh, education is 24 hours a day. And that's one of the things I saw in my parents, uh, that they they were consistent in living out their Christian faith and in training us and, and in everything they did day to day and applying those biblical principles. And that's what we've done with our children. And, you know, I praise the Lord. Uh, our five children all uh, love the Lord and four that are married. We have a single daughter looking for a great godly husband if there's someone out there, by the way. We're getting desperate. So uh, <laughs> we, I always put little advertisements in for her. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a great godly, godly young woman. Uh, but anyway, and now they married godly uh, mates, the four that are married, and then they're bringing up their children uh, to stand on God's word and love the word of God. And that's how it should be generation after generation after generation. Remember Malachi 2, when the Israelites were divorcing their wives and marrying pagans, and so the prophet asked the question, why did God make two one, which is a reference back to Genesis, when he, he made two one, you become one flesh, because uh, Eve was made from Adam. And so that's really saying, why marriage? And his answer was, because he sought not just offspring, but godly offspring. Godly seed, godly and seed, yeah. That's the challenge. You know, where to produce godly offspring, who will influence the world for Jesus Christ, who will marry godly offspring, uh, who will influence the world for Jesus Christ, who will produce godly offspring, and so it goes on, generation after generation. But you know what? You can lose that in one generation if yeah. you don't train them correctly. Well, let, let me ask you this. Um, we do have, I mean, we, we're homeschooling proponents. We homeschooled all of our eight kids. Uh, we're on this homeschool podcast network. Um, but we have listeners, we have friends who, for one reason or another, they, they simply can't, you know, they're maybe single parents or there's, they'd like to be in a Christian school, but there's none available or for whatever reason they'd want to be, but they can't afford it somehow. What advice do you give a parent in that situation? Well, you know, I, I understand we're living in a fallen world and because we live in a fallen world, things aren't the way that God intends them to be because uh, sin has affected the world. And, you know, when, when we're talking about, you know, a mother and, and, and a father as, as God created the family, I mean, the family is the first and most fundamental of all human institutions in Scripture anyway, and it's the unity uses to transmit his knowledge from one generation to the next. We're talking about the family as God intended it to be. But we realize it's a sinful world. And, you know, there are single parent families. There are families that where couples were, were married and then one becomes a Christian and the other one is not. And there are all sorts of difficulties out there. And that, that you know, that there's no one answer to any of that in one sense. Uh, I believe God gives a special measure of grace to those people. But that's where really the church should be really helping those people. Yes. And I think, think there's a failure of the church there and, and other families to step in and help them too. But what I would say to those people is this. You know, what we should be doing is to the utmost of our ability, applying the principles that God has laid down in his word to raise our children, regardless of the circumstances we're in. And he knows the circumstances we're in and he understands that. But we should be doing the best we can uh, and to our, you know, the best of our ability to apply those principles. And of course, seeking the Lord. Uh, in regard to that, in regard to our children, 
And really, I think there's been a failure of so much of the church in regard oh, to, yeah. to those families who should get behind those families and give them an extra special uh, measure of help. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, my mother was widowed when I was 14 and saw up front, close and personal, how hard it was. And yet God stood in the gaps and he helped her and he helped her to raise us, you know, for him. I, I want to say you were talking about the legacy of, of seeing what happens when you teach your children, they teach your children. This weekend, our, our kids were home visiting for my birthday and I got to hear my two-year-old grandson share his, his first memory verse. And it was Genesis 1-1. And it was such a blessing to hear those little lips sharing the word of God, you know, that his daddy who we had taught was teaching his child. And, and folks, there is no greater joy than that, than to oh, see yeah. your children, grandchildren serving the Lord. Well, and, you know, one of the verses our kids learned at a real young age, your word have I hid in my heart so I might not sin against you. How are you yes. going to know what's right and what's wrong if you don't have God's yeah. word in your heart? And what a difference uh, that that makes. We are completely out of time, but Ken, it's been a delight to talk to you. We need to tell our listeners how yes. they can get in touch with Answers in Genesis. What's the best way to reach you? Ken, tell uh, them the how to get way, Yeah, the best way is answersingenesis.org. That's our main website, answersingenesis.org. And you can go there, go to the store, and you'll see the Will They Stand book. And uh, in fact, we have a really special deal on for people if they get uh, that book and two DVDs to go with it and we give a special discounted price and we're giving away the 10 minute Bible journey book free actually which is uh, like a whole uh, a weekly devotion throughout the whole year which is a phenomenal book for parents so they can look for that special parenting pack uh, there it's a really super deal because we've been really concerned in recent times about what's happening to the the children uh, in this nation. And so we wanted to provide parents with something that could really help them at a at a super price. So answersingenesis.org. Awesome. We have the same mm. concerns and we are delighted to, to see your ministry doing those things. Folks, head out to answersingenesis.org and get a copy of Will They Stand? Mm -hmm. Raise Parenting mm -hmm. Kids to Face the Giants because our kids are facing giants mm -hmm. and we can do a lot to prepare them for that. Thank you so much, Ken, for joining us. We appreciate it. We've been talking with Ken Ham, the founder of Answers in Genesis, author of many books, and a great resource for parents who want to raise their children to walk in the faith. Thank folks, you so much, Ken. Yes, and folks, you can find us. You can find us at raisingrealmen.com. You can find our podcast at howlandmelanie.com slash radio. Thank you for listening and watching if you're on YouTube. And we'll see you with you next week. Thanks now. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.